How can a car accident coupled with one simple question completely change your entire life and business? Keep listening to find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Push it out! My guest here today is a business mentor, serial entrepreneur, a speaker, best-selling author of The Side Hustle Millionaire and host of his own podcast, 365 Driven. Uh, he's known best, as I remember it, for being the co-founder of LS1 Tech, and correct me anywhere along the way if I'm wrong here, uh, which was an online com- uh, automotive community that grew to one of the largest of its kind. I think it was like 300,000 members, if, if memory serves, and then turned around and sold that for a few million in about uh, five years after you kicked that off. Uh, and what caught me, uh, the kicker for me was he did all this is that was his side hustle that he had going on. He was doing that on top of leading a, a successful corporate career where he's got uh, 27 years in the oil and gas management, what, 100 plus million dollars in uh, in projects, did some scaling of uh, project management and, and business departments, uh, some consulting in Fortune 100 corporations. I think the list just continues to go on and on. And about, uh, see, about five years ago in 2015, decided to focus solely on your side business and left a, a six-figure plus uh, salary corporate America career to do that. Uh, got your science degree and excuse me, yeah, business of science in uh, medical engineering from the University of Houston, also a certified project manager. And here's one of the things I think I actually liked a a lot because I've done this myself is uh, serving as the president of Toastmasters, uh, which is, for those that don't know, is a a public speaking and leadership program. I was lucky enough to do that in my Coca-Cola days. Uh, And if he's not, uh, you know, cranking away, building his legacy seven days a week. We were just talking about, uh, seems like the weekends slow down a little bit. You'll find him and his wife exploring the world of high-performance high race cars. And I was cruising through your posts a little bit uh, on your blog, and I saw a snapshot of uh, your cars some, from some time back, and maybe we'll dig into that post a little bit. Let's welcome to the show here, uh, Tony Watley. Uh, Tony, thanks for coming on. Hey, Tracy, that was a long intro. You make me sound like I'm done a whole lot and I'm probably feeling <laughs> exhausted now. I just, oh, I'm, I'm looking at, oh my God, I have done it. It seems like I just do all kinds of things, but you're right. I, I think that's one of the things I have a very strong background in is just being able to evolve and understand that our current goals aren't necessarily our long-term goals and that it's okay to change and keep evolving and keep improving. And that's really what I teach other people now with 365 Driven the name literally just means being daily driven to do things and improve on a, a personal level or a business level or success level or relationships level. So thank you for that long intro. You did your research and happy to bring some value to your listeners. Absolutely. Here. Thanks so much. Um, and, and, and actually, that's one of the things uh, I really that caught my eye about some of the things you do is that it's those baby steps. You know, I think so often so many folks are out there looking for that. What's that one thing I could do that could just change the world? And it's like, ah, I think I'm with you on the, you know, if you just do something every single day, um, you know, 
I know I gave this long intro, but uh, let me just turn it over to you to tell your story from your perspective, how you came up into uh, where you're from and, and where you are now. I guess going back, I, I grew up lower middle class, two hardworking blue collar parents. My dad was a U.S. Marine, served in Vietnam. And then when he got out, he worked the rest of his career in the oil and gas industry here in the Houston area. My mom, Japanese immigrant, she came over and she worked in the public school systems as a cafeteria worker her entire career. Both of them are happily retired now, living their life, doing things and traveling around the world. But along that way, I had two very disciplinarian parents. So you got to realize my Marine dad, sergeant, and then my mom being Japanese immigrant, very, very hard on the studying. So I had a very disciplinarian thing on the education side and on the just being a leader and being a good human and being a leader side. And that's the combination of the discipline that I received. I probably resented it a lot when I was young, but it, I grew into habits and doing things. And what they really taught me as good parents was that if I wanted to achieve anything, that it was up to me and that there was not going to be any handouts. There's nothing fair in life. And if you wanted something, you had to go put the work in and figure things out. And that's what I did. I put myself through college. I didn't have anybody paying for that. Got the engineering degree. And that was an early thought about mine was just trying to get to the six figure mark that most people really think that's elusive in the United States. The American dream, make six figures. If you can cross $100,000 a year, like you're living the dream. And I get it because I believe the average right now in the United States is somewhere around 48,000 a year. So that's nearly double that. And but I'll tell you that you got to set your goals a little higher. And it's okay to think about making that first $100,000 and there's several ways to get there. And by all means, go pursue those to get you there, but understand that that is not the end goal. And that's the complacency trap that most of middle-class America falls into is they usually make between 100 to 120. And this is what I've seen even in the corporate levels, hiring people at that range. They usually get to 100 to 120 and they think that they've achieved the American dream and they flatline and they quit growing and they, their, their bellies grow more than their bank account does. <laughs> yeah. And they basically stop living and they lose the hunger that got them to the, the success that they achieved at that point. So what I always teach people is that you got to stay hungry, even no matter how successful you are. The guys I learned from are multi, multi-millionaires on the verge of becoming billionaires and they're still hungry and they're still competitive and they still have the excitement every single day when they wake up looking for new things to work on or things are to, to change the impact or create a legacy for themselves. So you always have to retain that and understand that we are an eternal life of growing and improving. And you do that by reading, you do that by experience, you do that by challenging yourself and trying to not avoid the fears or the things that we procrastinate to go after those things to improve ourselves on the other side. Phew, there was a lot to... <laughs> There's about 70,000 little tips inside there. Uh, and if I ever want to sit down and just unpacking them, it's just, uh, I heard, I heard uh, being a leader and being a good human, right? From your, you learned from your mom and dad, the disciplinary factors about uh, building habits. My father was uh, a 23 year army guy. Mm. Um, I know they used to, I know uh, we had a number of friends from different, um, arenas all four of the service lines and they would always tease each other but man don't uh, don't don't start knocking any of the services because they'll start uh, uh, ganging up out to you together uh, that was a big thing um, no handouts life isn't fair uh, one of the things that stuck while you were talking was about uh, don't lose your hunger stay hungry to keep your you know your belly going slower than your bank account uh, what is it you're doing these days to, to stay hungry and keep that fire burning 
I think true success does not come based on a financial windfall that's in your bank account or the size of your portfolio or the list of assets that you own. I've made the money. I've made millions of dollars building companies, selling companies, helped other people become millionaires themselves. But there's a lot of people out there that are highly successful on a financial level who are morally bankrupt and they're just busted inside or they're not fulfilled or they're not happy. And if you need some examples, go think about all those famous celebrities and sports athletes who are sitting on millions of dollars, but still unfortunately go commit suicide. Yeah. They're not happy. There's something missing inside of them. And they think that they can pursue money to create some kind of happiness. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that life is definitely easier when you have money because your problems are a little bit bigger problems. You're not worried about paying the light bill or missing a meal for the next week. Right. So you have different problems, but your problems, I would say, are better problems. Everybody's got problems no matter how successful you are. But if your problem is lack of fulfillment, lack of happiness, money will not solve that. And I'll tell you that we all know people who are very wealthy who are just real jackasses. <laughs> and we know people who are broke who are extremely happy. So there's no correlation between money and happiness. If you're a miserable, broke person, you're going to be a miserable, rich person. If you're, if you're a happy, broke person, you're going to be a happy, rich person. So you got to go figure out what creates that in, internal fulfillment. And for me, it's giving back. It's teaching other people and empowering other people to get the courage and belief in themselves and find some confidence to take the steps that are going to get them to their own success. So I don't believe there is a true success without a succession plan. So if you've made it to a personal level where you think that you can start helping other people achieve to make the same level as you, it's up to you to do that. And until you don't, if, until you do that, you're really not going to discover what fulfillment truly is. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you at all there. I was, uh, uh it was funny as you, you mentioned the, uh, if you're, uh, uh, an unhappy uh, poor person, you'll be an unhappy rich person. Uh, one of the things I had in here originally to, to ask you was, you know, do your problems go away? And you already answered that. They, they don't. Uh, I think it was many, many moons ago I read or heard at one of the uh, Anthony Robbins um, performances he does with those arena full of people. It was down in Atlanta. Gosh, back in the 90s, I was watching him. He says, you know, your, your, your problems don't go away. But you can arrive with your problems, arrive to your problems in the limo or, you know, in the busted up Pinto. Okay. I think I'd rather arrive at the limo. But uh, yeah, if you're unhappy going in, you're going to be unhappy coming out unless you're doing something that works for you. And, and now your shift from obviously oil and gas into, I guess I'll call it more of a, a coaching and person, uh, personal development arena. Uh, share with that how you rolled into that over time. That's a good one. I've always been the mentor type. I've always been the coach type. I've always been the teacher type. That was even going back to my childhood. Even me playing sports or doing things like skateboarding as a kid, I was always excited about learning some new trick, mastering it, and then teaching my friends how to do that. So that's what embedded within me is to be a teacher. But when we kind of talked about the $100,000 mark to go achieve, I realized that being a teacher is not going to really get me there. It's going to take me an extremely long time to do so. So I became an engineer because we always heard about being a, be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer. And I, you know, I liked cars. So I went to engineering school. Now, getting into the oil and gas, and that was just a, a, a result of getting the engineering degree and being in the Houston area. It pays extremely well. I liked the people I worked with. I enjoyed the projects that I managed, really high tech, like big dollars. 
a lot of things I learned in the corporate level still apply to small business. It actually makes small business easier. I was very fortunate to have a lot of leadership training, a lot of systems trainings, process trainings, safety, risk analyses, all these different things at a high, 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 highest of levels, to be honest, because we're dealing with environmental factors, life and death situations, hydrocarbons, international governments and the politics that go in between, a lot of different things in the high levels of oil and gas projects. That carries down into business. So I wanted to be in the automotive my entire life, being a car guy. So I started businesses on the side starting back in 1998 about how to create businesses and the thing I enjoyed, which was cars. That's where I made all the money, okay? So I built the community that you mentioned. It grew to 300,000 members, built another one that grew to 260,000 members, built another one that grew to 100,000 members. And if you can attract eyeballs to what you're building, you can generate advertising revenue. And that's really the same business model that social media today uses. Facebook, Instagram, you see ads go across. We were doing the exact same thing 20 years ago. So I knew if I could grow the audience by influence and giving them some value to keep them coming, I could grow this company out and create ad revenue. And that's what we did. Now, how did I start teaching is different because as I started to gain more success, people keep coming up to me and asking me, hey, how did you do that? Teach me about this. And this is while I was working. Sometimes it would be coworkers that would see what I was doing or what I was driving and say, how can you afford that? We have the same job. <laughs> it's like, well, because my side business pays me more than this career does. And that's the truth. For about 10 years, my side businesses, which people call side hustles now, mm-hmm. was paying me more than my six-figure engineering salary. And I always try to tell people that there's no reason to think that your side business should only be side money. That's just really small thinking. It's just not true. Don't set false limits that are like that because you never know when it's going to exceed your salary. And to me, a side business is really based on the time investment, not the money you get made because I find that time is more valuable than money. So if I'm spending less time on something, one hour a day perhaps for my side business, that's the side business, even if it pays more. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're spending something 40 hours a week at a job, that's taking more of your time, which is more valuable. So that is your full-time business or your full-time job. So understanding differentiation is not related to money. It's based on time. And so people are learning these things. I've helped 12 other people build multiple seven-figure companies, made some of my own friends millionaires. People that used to work for me at those other companies have become millionaires, launched their own businesses within the thing that I built. And I started to help other people. And I go, man, you should be teaching this. You should be teaching this. And Tracy, to be honest, I just, I, I didn't need to put myself on camera because I was scared to put myself on camera. I didn't need to go stand on a stage because I had stage fright and I could just avoid that entire situation and still have a very comfortable life, still have a job, still have a company, still have a family. All these excuses that were really convenient for me to hide from actually doing what I should be doing. And then I was in a major car accident in 2015 while I was racing and that shifted my entire mindset around I wasn't doing enough. Because once anybody goes through that mortality exercises and really start to think about if you were to die today, what would you be remembered like? And you start to think about that. And for me, it would have been Tony was a nice guy, had a bunch of cool cars, gone too soon. Very simple. But what that really showed me is that I was not living up to my potential because that's very shallow when you think about that. Just being a nice guy and having cool cars Yeah, a lot of people would aspire to be remembered as being nice and have cool cars. But for someone that's ultra competitive and ultra driven like myself, what it really told me is that I'm not doing enough in this world to impact other people. So I needed to 
quit being a coward, go learn how to stand on a stage, go learn how to get on video, go learn how to get used to my own voice and start teaching other people by the thousands, by the millions to be able to have the confidence and the belief in themselves to do things that I've achieved. So over the last three years, that's what I've done. I joined the Toastmasters, like you said, about two and a half years ago. I started just taking it very seriously. I went through every single day for a year, 365 days I made videos on my social media platforms just to practice the things I was learning in Toastmasters because everything that you learn in public speaking skills, all the strategies, the vocal variety, the tonality, the way you hear me speaking right now, the clarity, not saying um and uh and you know and like <laughs> and all these words that distract from your message. You can do these things with your video, with your little cell phone in your back pocket and just practice those skills and you get better and better and better. And I'll tell you, it sucks at the beginning. It sucks. You know that you're not that good. You may have a really strong message, but you don't know how to say it accurately. You don't say it with clarity. You don't have the confidence or the influence in your voice. You don't have these skills at the beginning. These are the things you must learn and practice to get better. And that's what I did. So people kept seeing me and they were following me along in the journey. And they were saying like, man, you're getting better. Then six months in, Tracy, the group asked me, hey, why don't you go perform and enter the, the spring contest and compete against other public speakers. And here's a guy who was deathly afraid of public speaking, had stage fright, I've experienced at times in my life that was going to go compete in a public speaking thing, would literally be criticized with clipboards and papers and things. It's like, are you kidding me? And they're like, no, you should go try that. You're doing really well. Six months in. And I won three rounds. Nice. So I made it to where I was competing against all of Houston. And that showed me like, maybe there is something to this because like anything I get into, whether that's business or fitness or a new skill or a hobby or whatever, I take things seriously and I go all in and I started to get the results at an accelerated time frame. So I was able to go compete and actually win three rounds of that. And that's crazy to think about, but it just kind of goes to show that there's too many people out there dabbling and stuff, Tracy. They want to do things like a hobby yeah. and then they get the hobby results and they wonder why they're not getting the results of a professional because they're not treating things like a professional. So that's kind of the nutshell there is me getting out of that shell, getting out of my comfort zone, investing in myself heavily to become the right person to carry the message. And now that's where I'm at right now. Absolutely. And then you know, through all that, obviously, um, I, I know, especially the Toastmasters arena, there's those there's those building blocks, right? It's like uh, you start off with that that first uh, CTM manual, the the certified uh, Toastmasters manual to get that first award. And if I remember correctly, gosh, this is so long ago. There's like ten projects inside of there. Mm -hmm. The first one is just get up and for two minutes and talk about yourself. Easy topic. Um, and yep. then the next one is all right, let's do this, and then and let's do that. So each one builds on itself. I think that in and of itself is kind of very telling of. Uh, how people can build whatever it is they want to build. Look, you got to take that that first step and do whatever it is that resonates with you. And then once you got that step going, then take that next one and then that next one and the next one. And then six months, maybe people will be telling you, hey, you need to go out here and, and do this and, and compete. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, to go compete down in the, uh, the regionals down in uh, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, way back in 99. Yeah. And uh, those guys don't play. There's some folks up there you're like, I thought I was good until I saw them. It's like... It, but it was fun. It was a, definitely a, a learning experience, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I want to carry this on because I think it's such an important topic. Please. Learning how to do public speaking, okay? I'm going to bust some people's egos real quick. <laughs> Go for it. Hey, guys, I've 
built companies, managed 75 people, worked at the very high levels of corporate, managing international teams, hundreds of people, and I'm the leader. And I always thought to myself, I got this. I'm really good at public speaking. I don't need to go train at that because I'm the boss and I've got companies and I've got people that report to me and I can give a hell of a slideshow presentation because I've got a captive audience. Right. When you think about that, you think that you got public skills because you have the occasional courage to stand in front of people. And that's what most people think is public speaking, just having the courage to stand in front of people. That is not even close to what public speaking is. You as a fellow Toastmaster, you really understand that speaking and being influential and using your voice properly to get your message across and being a leader on top of that is far more than just the confidence to do so. So if you go to the speaking events that we see that pop up once in a while, you can see who's invested in themselves as a public speaker and the ones they just think that they have the confidence, therefore they deserve or feel entitled to a place on stage. Agreed. Because the ones who have not trained will get up on stage and they'll say things like, um, and, uh, and you know, guys, and, uh, and I was doing this like, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and you can count the ums and it starts to distract from the message and you realize this person has not have a single minute of training in public speaking. Therefore, they do not respect themselves or the audience that they're standing in front of. So if that is you, I want you to go pay attention to that and go learn. I wish I would have joined Toastmasters at age 18 instead of 45 when I joined because I realized the value of public speaking and having that ability and the confidence would have served me my entire life. And I, as much success as I had already seen, it would have been amplified just by having the confidence to be able to get out there in front of people and learn how to speak with influence and energy and emotion and conviction and use the right tactics to be able to create that influence or persuasion. So these are incredible tactics that you must learn whether you're speaking one-on-one -on -one to somebody like this podcast or standing on a stage or being on TV or being on the radio or just speaking to your people that are on your team that report to you it is a powerful, powerful way of effective communication. That's something you must learn. It's not just being the occasional courage to stand there. So that's you get out there and go stand in front of some people, get some lessons. Amen to that. And, and I think one of the cool things about that particular program, and I, I've been to that one mostly, and I know there's others out there, is that it doesn't always just focus on the, the single fact of standing in front of a group of one or a hundred people. Um, I know when you're, when you're in a, I'll, we'll speak to Toastmasters because that's what we have the experience in. When you're in the meeting, you're given these little assignments of, okay, it's your job today to critique that person that's going to be given the speech. So now you're learning listening skills on top of that. Absolutely. And gosh, and you, you mentioned it specifically, it's, it's not just about the, the, the speaking of the words. It's, it's saying them right. It's saying them with conviction. It's saying with the tonality and the pace or the speed at which you want to get your listener influenced. Well, on the other side of that is you need to be able to listen to someone's message, interpret it, and then critique it. So now you're learning a whole other set of skills. Or if you're in the front, you're the Toastmaster, you're running the meeting now. So now you're learning another set of skills. And then you can go into and being become a part of the organization and be the person in charge of the education or the president as a role I know you've served. Or you go on to be the an area governor. So now you're working with multiple groups of different it's it's just it's a phenomenal organization and everything you can learn from uh, from 
just being there it is phenomenal. I can't, I'm with you there. I can't say enough about that organization or, or anyone that's out there. You want to go out and learn to communicate. Um, you're going to benefit in so many ways. And I wish I would have known about it uh, like you uh, back in the high school days. It probably would have, it would have sped up my path. Right, uh, I, just just confidence alone, it will change your life. Amen to that. I, I remember my my very first uh, speech, and I, I'm one of those guys. I was lucky enough because, as I mentioned before, my dad grew up and I grew up in the service. My father was. We moved. Oh God, every two or three years, as you can relate to, and so. Coming up as a kid and that being the army brat, uh, I developed a little bit of a sense of humor as my connection to anybody I was meeting for the first time. And so getting in front of people wasn't, didn't, it didn't bother me at all. I could do that. So when I got to my first uh, meeting for Toastmasters, I'm like, ah, man, I can, I'm going to smoke this. This is no problem. And I gave my two or three minute speech and uh, you get these little pieces of paper back from everyone in the audience. And those, are, it's their little critiques. You know, here's two things you did great. And here's one room for opportunity. And about 70% of them said one thing, slow down your speech. Ooh, yeah. And, you know, I was like, uh, coming out of it, I thought, I sat down in my chair, my heart was still beating, yep. and I was thinking to myself, ah, I'm going to read through these as soon as, I wanted to pay attention to everyone else, I wanted to read them right away, uh, but after the meeting, I was flipping through them, and I was like, I, I don't think I spoke that fast. Well, I was lucky enough, and I had it recorded. So when yeah. I got home that night and rewound and watched the videotape, I was probably talking about this fast. <laughs> Dude, it, that, that's awesome. The awareness, it was just awareness. Yeah, ex I actually exactly. Do that before I take a stage, I know that the fear or the anxiety or the performance anxiety creates us to want to get in fast and you just get ahead of yourself and you start stumbling on your words. Yeah. But when you know that because you've had the awareness, because you've had those love notes, exactly. And people have told you, mm -hmm. you go, oh man, I need to, okay, when I take the stage, I need to make sure that the first 15 seconds I pace myself. That way I yep. go into the rhythm sooner instead of the nervous energy. And most people do lack that. And, and that's another thing. I, I can go see people who are, you know, call themselves professional speakers and they get on the stage and they basically do exactly what you said. And they're kind of like falling apart and stumbling over their words. And sometimes they just mispronounce things. It's like, wow, you've never trained, have you? You know, and, that, <laughs> and, it, and it blows my mind how many people just rely on courage alone to think that they yeah. have public speaking skills. And that's, one of, the, one of the things for dudes is the, the main thing that men have a problem with is speaking very monotone and mono volume and mono speed. So if, if Tracy and I had not had any training in speaking right now, our conversation would be really boring because yeah. I would be speaking like this and Tracy would be speaking like really fast, like he said, because he's nervous, but, and, and it would just be like one speed, one volume, one pitch. And it would have been like super boring monotone. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want none of that. We don't want any of that. How about that? <laughs> none of that. <laughs> we don't want none of that. Um, I'm going to loop this back around for my, my dark, horse, dark Horse Entrepreneurs, which is uh, the folk, most of the audience is uh, entrepreneurs that are looking to, you know, start, restart, kickstart, or just some of them are even already making, you know, cash and some checks, as they say on the street, um, but they're looking to, you know, up their level. If you had to start over today, Right, you still have your knowledge, but you don't have any of your connections or the current cash that you have. What would be the first thing you do? 
I always like online businesses. Mm-hmm. I gravitate towards online businesses. And that was actually a mental block that I had to get out of earlier in my entrepreneurial journey. Because when you grow up without money, you hear things that it takes money to make money. And you think that people need to have money to start a business. And when you're young in our generations, Tracy, we thought that a business owner meant that you had to go set up a brick and mortar shop on Main Street and put your last name on the window. Right. That was a business owner. And for a long time, when you grow up with that generation, I get it. If you're a millennial, you probably didn't have as much of that. But anyone who's a gen, you know, Xer or older or baby boomer, we all had that kind of thought. But for me, it's digital because I realize how connected this world is. And we all carry that cell phone around in our pocket. We can connect with anyone around the world in seconds. That was not something that existed even 10 years ago that was that accessible. Smartphones were just starting to get out there. The internet on the, was not that really good really about 10, 15 years ago. So when you think about that, why would you limit your potential customer base to your city or your zip code? And that's how a lot of people still think. They think, hey, I want to go start a business, Tony. Can you give me an idea? And they're just looking in their neighborhood or they're just looking in their city or their right. zip code or their you know, greater metropolis area. Like I'm in the Houston area and I'm thinking, why would you limit yourself to customers locally when the entire world could literally be your customer base and the scalability is what most people lack. They don't think about the vision of what they want to make on a financial level or the impact level that they want to have across people. So if you want to make less money, think of things that take a lot of your time to produce hand built goods that you can't scale unless you pay other people that's costly to have the overhead cost to go find more employees to build those things for you. Or think about digital products. The way I think about it is digital products have virtually zero reproduction cost. If there's upfront cost to build a program or a course or software or an app, but then once it's created, it's literally a copy-paste effort to re, re, just recopy those as many as you want and sell as many as you want of those. And if the entire world is your customer base, the potential there is huge. So you got to get away from things that consume a lot of your time. Again, we talked about time as being more valuable than money. Think about how to make money while you're sleeping. Think about how to make money while you're on vacation. Think about making money when you don't have to show up somewhere, that brick and mortar thing with the hours posted on the front door. That's horrifying to me. I I worked in corporate over 25 years. I don't want to have to show up somewhere. I want to be able to work anywhere I am in the world, or even if I'm floating on a boat, as long as I got internet, I should be able to run any business that I want to create from the rest of my life. And that's one of my non-negotiables. A lot of people don't think about their non-negotiables. You may have a young family right now. You may want more time at home. Well, maybe one of your non-negotiables, I need to build a business that's based at home so I don't have to go away and I can actually spend time with my family. Maybe it's the location proximity. I don't want to have to be somewhere specifically to work this job or this business That could be another non-negotiable. Maybe you only want to work in the middle of the night because you're a night owl. Mm -hmm. So maybe one of your non-negotiables, I don't want to be up between eight to five in the the day. I want to sleep between eight to five and I want to work at night. Well, there's all kinds of different businesses because think about that is you can, you can play with time zones. You may think that's funny. Like I don't want to work from eight to five. I want to sleep. I sleep during the day. That's cool. Because somewhere else around the world is a normal business hour while you're sleeping. So you can actually go do business with people in Europe six to eight hours ahead of you. You know, so there's different ways to do these kind of things. You got to remove limits. And for me, like if I was just getting started, I'd just be thinking about something I could sell online Mm -hmm. that didn't have a lot of costs. Maybe it was some kind of knowledge or skill set or, or, or 
education, things I can teach people, things that I already have within my wheelhouse that I don't have to invest heavily into. I've got some maybe expertise or time that I can teach people to do something or a product that I could create that's going to help people that I can just multiply. So that's what I would be doing is just trying to figure out how to do a simple website and looking for digital products to move. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're the busy guy and you're getting ready to kick your week off. Um, tell, uh, let everyone know how they can get a hold of you and learn a little bit more about uh, Mr. Watley and his, uh, his skills and products. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to invite everybody to my free Facebook group for entrepreneurs. There's about 3,500 members. It's called 365 Driven Entrepreneurs. You can look that up on Facebook search and find it and join it. And if you're not a spammer or a troll, we'll leave, we'll leave you in the group. But we're pretty good at policing that stuff. It's not just a motivational meme dump like a lot of entrepreneur groups. We actually have legit discussions and support each other. And if you need some access to more of that, go check out my website at 365driven.com. From there, you'll find my podcast and my best-selling book, Side Hustle Millionaire. Everything's on the website, 365driven.com. All right. And we'll be sure to uh, plug all those up in the show notes for you as well there. Uh, any parting thoughts for us? I think that for most people that are just entrepreneurs, you just got to get started. And you have to understand that your goals do not have to be grand gigantic, huge dreams. You don't have to be Elon Musk on day one. <laughs> Realize that you grow and you set goals and you build confidence by taking these small steps to achieve those. And as you start to take more steps, those, those big, the steps get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you if you're not thinking about becoming a millionaire day one. You may be just thinking about you wanted to make that six-figure mark. And then maybe you want to make multiple six figures and then maybe you want to start to scale. Then all of a sudden you're at seven, then you're at eight. So understand that set goals, but also make sure that you create a plan to achieve that goal and then stay on a calendar. Most people out there, when I work with them, I got clients that come in and I said, Hey, okay, let me get a glimpse of your daily life. Show me your calendar. And then they look at you with the deer in the headlights look like calendar. <laughs> what, what's that? Yo, I don't, I don't have a calendar. Oh, so you're not working day by day with a planned day like what you're doing. You know, show me your calendar and I'll show you how efficient you are. There you go. We always have to have some kind of a list or a, something that's got a time factor because that's one of the main things I find people they don't have goals and they don't have times attributed to any of the goals. So think about this. When you have something that takes two days to accomplish, Tracy, and you go, you know what? I'm going to do this in two weeks. By God, it takes you two weeks to finish because we always procrastinate and do something last minute and then we finally do it two weeks later. So if you say, I'm going to do this in the next year, I'm going to start my first business in the next year, it's probably going to take you a year to start that first business, even though it would probably only take you one day if you really thought about it. If you just really got into it, it would take you one day just to create something and actually get the momentum going. So don't give yourself too much time, but always set some kind of a time goal and hold yourself accountable. Hold yourself accountable for the actions you do take and the actions you don't take. That's one thing that I see that's I'm a little bit different than most people. A lot of people are okay with the full accountability when they get to that level, that mindset, but they're only fully accountable for the things that they do. If I do something and I fail, okay, I'm accountable. Big deal. I get that. We all should say that. Most people don't hold themselves accountable for the things they don't do. They're inaction. And that's the deciding point is, okay, if I didn't go to the gym today, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll just go tomorrow. 
know, they're not holding themselves accountable. So you got to hold yourself accountable to the things you should be doing as well. So that's the thing. Just get started, map it out, put it on a calendar, make sure there's dates attributed to every single task and then just execute guys. It's really that simple. There is no magic sauce to success. It's all based on planning, execution, and just being consistent. And there you have it, down to three steps he breaks it down into. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for your time today. I definitely appreciate it. Tracy, it's been a great honor. Thank you for having me on the show, man. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. All right, man. Thanks. All right, Dark Horses, how about that? Tom Watley, bring in the knowledge, right? Here are three thoughts that I took away from that. Thought number one, be willing to evolve. Today's goals may not be tomorrow's or next year's goals, and it's okay to change. Actually, you want to keep evolving into a better version of you and a better version of your business. Find out what drives you and keep evolving that drive and building upon that internally motivating foundation. Evolve out of your comfort zone. Tony used Toastmasters in his example to improve his on-camera message. He stepped out of his comfort zone and evolved himself and his message to the point they actually came to him uh, and said, you, you need to go compete with a skill that he was afraid to use only six months prior. See, when you evolve, you need to go all in. Remember that? He said, go all in. That's how you're going to get results at a much higher rate. Stop being a little koi fish and nibbling around the edges. You've got to go all in to truly evolve. Set goals and remember to calendarize them. Hold yourself accountable, not only for the things that you have done, did do, whether they failed or not, but for the things you're not doing as well. Thought number two, if you want to achieve anything, Yep, it's up to you. There are no handouts, but you're going to need to set your goals a little higher so you can avoid that complacency trap he mentioned, right? Avoid letting your belly grow faster than your bank account. I would even go so far as to say, avoid letting your belly grow faster than your mind by keep challenging yourself. And in those self-challenging moments, don't set false ceilings, right? If you think you can hit 100K, then set a goal for 200 and I'm just throwing that out randomly because if you don't reach 200 and you actually reach 100, you're still going to be happy, right? What happens if you actually hit that 200? Imagine the confidence and the fulfillment and the rewards that will come along with that. Thought number three, true success isn't based on your bank account. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had money and I haven't had money and life is much easier when you do have it. You know, like Zig Ziglar says, you know, uh, money isn't as important as oxygen, but it's right up there with it, right? If you're unfulfilled, having cash isn't going to change your how fulfilled you feel. What creates that internal passion and drive inside of you? I would urge you to push your hustling or your side hustle in that direction. So you can turn your side hustle into a primary stream of income. But the key here is to build something that you are passionate about that will bring in those rewards of fulfillment, happiness, and of course, cash. And remember to help others along the way. That really doubles the fulfillment in my personal perspective. So what did you learn out of this? I would, I would urge you that whatever you learned, all right, whatever you know, nuggets that you took from this, take a moment today and put them into action. And let me know what lessons that you took from today's episode and what results you start seeing by putting them into action. And you can do that by emailing me at tracy 
at darkhorseschooling.com. I want to hear about that. Actually, uh, planning on building a reward system for this. We're going to start drawing names from people that say, hey, I learned this and I put it into action and here's what I saw. And when we start drawing those names, we're going to build this little cool little prize pool. So again, what'd you learn? What did you do to put it in action? And what results did you get? Email me at Tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Until then, I'm going to leave you as I always will. Think successfully. Take action. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.